Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Okay, so today you remember that Phil uh, mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we were going to do something around our, our vision and um, that's what we're going to do. So the, the way this is going to work is I'm going to, it's not, it's not a normal preach in that sense of the word. I'm going to talk for a bit and then Phil's going to talk for a bit is essentially what's going to happen uh, today. So uh, you'll remember on returning from my sabbatical, do you remember I had a sabbatical at the beginning of the year? I did, I had some time off and uh, it's not felt like that the last term, but I did have some time off and I was very grateful for it. Um, we felt, as we came to the end of that, a number of things presented themselves to us that we thought we needed to walk through as a church, and, and um, uh, particularly as a, as a sort of an eldership team and as a staff team. Um, we hadn't met for ages. If you remember, before I went on sabbatical, Phil, myself and Ben used to meet every week um, 6.30 in the morning and we did that for about five years maybe longer Phil struggled with that he didn't the early morning thing is that fair yeah Phil struggled with that um, to me that's normal yeah 6.30 I can do that um, but we haven't actually met like that since December we've not met in that kind of way because of uh, my sabbatical and then really because of Ben's illness and so um, Phil and I have been catching up around uh, in different ways just to try to work out where are we at as a church and what do we think we need to do. And we've, we've kind of come to uh, four things that we felt we needed to focus on. And I'm just going to run through those uh, briefly, three of them anyway, and then the fourth one we'll unpack a bit more. The first is Phil's role. You'll remember that um, uh, when I went on sabbatical, we put all sorts of people in place and, and kind of Phil carried the church for that period of time. Um, he'd spoken to Toppy, who oversaw us, uh, Dave Nunn, who got involved for a while, but Phil really carried the church. And you will know, and I will know, that he did a brilliant job doing that, yeah? And we all agree with that, yeah? Phil did a brilliant job carrying the church. Yeah, and... Some of you spoke to him and said, oh, Phil, don't go back into the shadows. I spoke to Phil, oh, so, oh, Phil, don't go back into the shadows. So it wasn't like there was a competition where Owen was like, oh, he's going to try and take... No, this was... We were all saying to Phil, don't go back into the shadows. Yeah? And um, it's, it's my pleasure to say that Phil hasn't gone back into the shadows. Yeah? I know how much that means to us all. Um, and, and, and what we're going to do is from... From September, I mean, Phil has, has already been every, as many Fridays as he has been able, he comes into the office. And he's been doing that maybe for two years, or a year, at least a year. He's been coming, almost every Friday he is able. Uh, but obviously with his work, he works as an educational consultant, he can't do that every single week. From September... Um, and he's going to continue to do that, and we're hoping that at some point in the future we might be able to release him to do that, maybe even pay him that one day um, so that he can come in. Um, But from September, we're going to commit ourselves to that, and what Phil's going to really pick up for us, um, initially anyway, I'm sure there'll be more, is he'll pick up our Sundays, just how they run, um, and he'll work with Bill and Jen on, on overseeing all the ministries that we have on a Sunday and all the things that come out of a Sunday. So Phil will pick that up from September. And secondly, he will pick up, like, almost running the staff team. He, he talks to individuals in the staff on a regular basis, looking at employment issues, all those kinds of things. Something that he and Ben were working on before Ben uh, really got, um, got ill. Uh, he and Phil have been working on... Uh, employment stuff around the staff for a, a while and Phil will continue to work into that uh, as of September so uh, that's something that's happened off the back of the sabbatical uh, Phil's role really increasing and us really wanting to make space for that and this term we've kind of been 
uh, sort of almost like trying to juggle that together uh, where Phil's still working uh, out and about but also coming into the church. So I think that's going to be a good thing for us as a church. Do you agree with that? I think, yeah, we all do. We all agree with that. Cool. Um, maybe we should have asked you before that, but it's going to be a good thing for us. One of the things, uh, one of the reasons that we're doing that, apart from Phil sort of really coming through, is, um, is really to do with my role. Yeah, so, so my role as the, the, the pastor of Beacon, and I love being the pastor of Beacon. I feel the call of God on me to be the pastor of Beacon. Whether you feel that, I, 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 you know, I feel that. So, um, but, I, but, but there has been over the years, even when I was back in my previous church, a kind of a wider role. I was doing other things. I've always been doing other things. Um, and uh, not, not just, you know, because I, like, I just like to do other stuff, but... But there was very much a, um, a drawing into particular areas of ministry beyond Beacon. And I remember as an eldership where we've talked about that, ben, Ben's advice to me and to us, which has been a really sound advice and we've sought to live in it, his, his rule of thumb for me when it comes to outside opportunities is do the things that are unique to you, Owen. Don't just go anywhere to, you know, you know, uh, if you're going to preach on the Holy Spirit, there are a million people that can do that. Or maybe not a million, but a number of people that can do that. But where, where people are inviting you in to do something that you specifically have a, a voice in, do those things. So don't just open yourself to every invitation. Because believe it or not, occasionally I get invitations to go and do stuff. And uh, um, what we felt, and what we've felt... Uh, in recent times, that the three areas where I kind of get those invitations and I kind of think maybe I have something to add in a different place would be um, around, um, I, I give some time, a bit of time to New Day. You'll know that I'm on the executive team that really runs that event, that I'm responsible in relation to New Day for the pastoral care of the event. I oversee all the servers, I oversee all the ministry stuff, I oversee the safeguarding stuff. Um, I oversee the referral, all those kinds of things I oversee at New Day. And I also oversee all the seminars and the kind of the content that comes into them. Um, and that role is kind of increasing. Phil's also involved in New Day, but very much at the event. Um, uh, and I've got this slightly wider role involved in New Day. And secondly, I sometimes get asked to come and speak in relation to uh, diversity. Now, I, I don't talk about diversity much here, but I did write a book on it a few years ago, and churches sometimes invite me in, or even colleges and organisations have invited me in over the years to speak on that subject. And what we're really talking about there is how churches um, really embrace the diversity that they see and how they, how they kind of make that work in an everyday world. And in our last church, we were working on that. Um, I, I was involved in working on that for years before uh, coming to Beacon. And then the other thing, and, and even in the last month, I think I've done two, I've been to two places where I've done stuff around diversity. So the weeks that I'm not here, and there have been a few this term, it's not because I'm at home uh, watching Sunday morning telly or anything like that. It's not because I'm just visiting another church. It's because I've been asked to go and speak somewhere. So I've gone to Cambridge recently. I've gone to a church in Downham, Hope Church in Downham. And uh, so I get those kind of invitations. And then the other thing that, surprisingly enough, uh, Pauline and I sometimes get asked to do is stuff around marriage. So we've been to different churches where we've talked, spoken on marriage or spoken on parenting we've done you know a parenting day at a particular church and various things like that and we would estimate that all of those different things that I get involved in particularly around new days probably 15 to 20 percent of my time I'm doing those kinds of things either in preparation talking to people going places and with Phil coming a day of week a week it kind of properly allows me to do it and, and for him to pick up stuff um, that otherwise, in theory, I should be picking up. So, so we've kind of agreed uh, to go that way uh, as of... Well, we're kind of already there, but particularly as of September. Um, I just wanted you to know that. Then the other thing that you will know is Beacon, and we don't talk about it, but it is true, Beacon is a New Frontiers church. 
And uh, what that means, and, and New Frontiers is a movement of churches that have existed for around 40 years. And really, Phil and I have grown up in that. Yeah, So probably from the age of 11 years old, I was in a New Frontiers church. Um, and Beacon is a New Frontiers church. In recent years, our, our New Frontiers about, I can't even remember how many years ago, it kind of, it kind of multiplied into different spheres and different groups of people were doing different things. Um, and um, we were originally in a sphere and then we kind of stepped out of that and have been connected with Topi Colioso. So the, the women's conference that Pauline is going to next weekend is being led by Topi's wife, Kemi, and uh, they lead a church, uh, Jubilee Church in Enfield, which is a church of about 2,000, and Topi travels literally around the world uh, ministering in different places. So we've been connected to Toppy for a while, and in so many ways that has been a very fruitful relationship, because uh, Toppy is quite an amazing leader. He has some pastoral wisdom and insight that I'd, I'd like never heard before, never experienced before. Um, and so we've been connected to him for a while. However, he doesn't function in the kind of uh, normal um, sort of New Frontiers um, uh, apostolic way that we would be used to. By apostolic, I mean relationships where people oversee your church and connections with other churches. He doesn't function like that. He doesn't have lots of churches connected to him. And we've felt for a while, probably even before my sabbatical, uh, that maybe we needed to think about uh, connecting to one of the other spheres. We'd been talking about that and kind of meditating on that for a while. I knew it was something that I was going to, in the background, be thinking about during my sabbatical. Um, But as you know, in my sabbatical, Pauline broke her leg and all sorts of different things happened. However, what that meant was there were a couple of weeks where we couldn't travel far to church and we weren't going to Israel like we had planned. So we visited a local church to us called Beulah, which is a New Frontiers church. And at Beulah... Um, um, Beulah is part of one of the New Frontier spheres called Regions Beyond. And Regions Beyond is led by a guy called Steve Oliver, who is a, he's a South African, um, from, originally from Cape Town, who then planted a church in, um, just on the border of Lesotho, and really in the, kind of, in the countryside there, uh, which grew. And then, after a number of years, he moved to Dubai, where he picked up another New Frontiers church there, And recently, he's come to London to base himself at that church in Beulah. Um, uh, Pauline and I uh, visited the church, and um, it just so happened, we didn't know that this was going to happen, we visited one week, and we were told, oh, Steve Oliver's here next week, and he's going to be presenting the vision of regions beyond and stuff. And so we went back uh, that following week, and... I came away from that talk, and at the end of the meeting, John, who leads the church, who's a friend of mine and has been encouraging me for a while, you should talk to Steve, you should get involved, all this kind of stuff. Um, He introduced us to Steve Oliver. We had a very brief conversation, but I I came away thinking this. I think they could help us. Uh, But I also came away thinking, I think we could help them. And... So what we've kind of decided to do over the next period of time, there's no kind of time limit on it, is we're going to explore that relationship. We're going to look at uh, potentially connecting and getting involved in regions beyond. Coincidentally, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a church called Hope Church in Downham, where Pauline and I were doing a weekend on diversity. They interviewed us on the Friday night. We did a couple of talks on the Saturday, and then I preached on the Sunday um, to this church. This church is also part of Regions Beyond. That was coincidence. And the guy that leads Hope Church, not Hope Church Downer, but there's a number of Hope Churches, he's one of the key leaders within Regions Beyond. And so we had a little chat at that weekend as well. And I just said to him, look, you know, we're just thinking about looking in. So over the next few months and period of time, that's what we'll do. And maybe we'll get Steve Oliver to come. There was a couple of videos that we might one day show of some of the work that they do uh, around the world. Uh, Regions Beyond, I think, has 100-plus churches connected to it, most of whom are abroad, but there are 20, 25 or so that are in the UK 
and Bromley, Thornton Heath, Croydon are where a number of them are, so just coincidentally. The other interesting fact about that, um, which is really just, uh, again, another coincidence, when Phil and I were younger, and we were younger at one point, we were similar age to you guys, we didn't, I didn't always have children, I wasn't all, I was just, we were younger, yeah? When we were younger, the pastor of our church was a guy called John Colwell, and he was, a, he was a theologian, and he was a masterful Bible teacher. And uh, for a while, every Thursday morning, Phil and I used to meet with John to pray. Every week, we just used to meet, and we just used to pray. Um, and it turns out, many years, and then he left the church, he was leading kings, he left the church, um, and he ended up going to Spurgeon's, where he, where he was a lecturer there. I ended up going to Spurgeon's, where he taught me there. He ended up moving down to Devon, and now I hear he's also connected into regions beyond. And so I would love at some point to get our old pastor to come back to Beacon, and not that he's ever been to Beacon before, but uh, to come back and to share uh, with you guys. He, uh, he is uh, a master at the really unpacking the Bible, and I would say my love for the scripture comes from sitting under him for five, six years. Um, that's, that's kind of what's happened so so that's just to let you know I wanted us to be really open about that if you have questions about that you can ask me at some other point we don't need those questions now we're not making any major decisions but we're sensing in our spirit and and if you know I'm I'm praying all the time so that's what I do is I pray Um, we're just sensing that this might be how God is leading us uh, in the next season of the church those are the first three things. And the fourth thing that really we felt to consider over this next period was really uh, the vision, to take a fresh look at the vision of the church and our approach to ministry. And we hadn't done that for a while, but we, we thought, look, let's, let's just have a look at it. And so, particularly in the light of maybe Phil coming on and us beginning to work in a slightly different way, let's have a look at it. So what we did as a staff team, and the staff team is myself, Phil, Jen Holden, John Taylor and Sheree, um, the five of us went away for a day. In fact, we went to... Um, was that where? High Lees. <laughs> we did. Where we do our weekend away, we went for a day. It was, uh, it's, uh, it was lovely. It was lovely. So we went there for a day... Uh, food's as good, even just on those days, normal days. Uh, food's just as good, and you, you, you kind of you set everything up around the food and the mealtimes, and that's good. So we spent a day there, where, and we, we brought in um, a, a lady we know called Jo, uh, who just helped to facilitate for us some discussion around our vision and, and unpack what, is it, what it is we're trying to do as a church. And I think we found that really helpful. And subsequent to that day, we've spent a number of hours um, over the last couple of months, really, trying to unpack what that looks like for us today. And so um, what I'm going to do is just trying to present, really, I'm going to try and put our vision into some kind of context, present it briefly, and then Phil is going to unpack what does that look like for us in the next year? How are we going to make that work? So really briefly, um, I, want to, you, I want to try and illustrate something that I've said before, but I want to try and physically illustrate it if I can. So I've talked on a number of occasions, and I'm sure some of you think, oh yeah, I heard you say that. I don't know what you mean, but I heard you say that. I've talked about we live in a time uh, where the world if you like, the non-Christian society is intentionally walking away from, if you like, the Christian roots of this nation. And and even an example would be, uh, many of you would have heard of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce, um, um, he, he pushed through with others the abolition of the slave trade back towards the beginning of the 19th century. That's what he did. William Wilberforce was a Bible-believing Christian. He was born again. He, he not only, there's not only books about him on the slave trade, there's books he wrote about his passion for God and his passion for morality and standards and all that kind of stuff. If you were to hear... Now, he was a politician. If you were to hear politicians speak about William Wilberforce today, they would almost ignore his Christian roots. 
And not just his Christian roots, but the motivation for everything he did came through faith. It wasn't just that he thought one day, oh my goodness, I need to make the world a better place. He was absolutely convinced by scripture uh, that slavery was wrong and, and, and he, he really went for that. But, but if you heard about him today, you could read biographies where it's hardly mentioned. And, and so we're living in this world and even the example that Phil gave this morning about the scientists who discovered that there are millions of stars in the sky and that maybe there are more stars in the sky than there is sand on the seashore. And I'm like, there are various verses in the Bible that will point to those kind of things and there's probably a Bible on your shelf. So we've moved away from considering Christianity. Let me try and illustrate this. Phil, I need you to come up. And Phil, you're going to be over here and you're going to be Christian. And Christian means that we have our hands in the air because we're worshipping Jesus. And uh, Josh and Ruth, can you also be Christian? And then Kate and Junior and Abdul, can you come out here? And you're, you're the world. Yeah, you're representing the world. Yeah? So you guys, just put your hands in the air. It doesn't need to be big. Hands in the air. So what's happening, we're all a bit closer. So come a bit closer together. You come a bit closer together. So what happens is, for a while, the church and the world are relatively close. But there comes a point where the world goes, do you know what, we are not interested anymore, and you begin to walk away. So just begin to walk away. You're slower than the others, but you begin to walk away. Now, now, slowly stop walking. What happens is the church responds in a number of ways. Phil walks with them. So you go and walk with them. But what he's doing in his mind is he's like, no. So you're going to grab hold of Abdul and you're saying, no, don't walk. Don't. God is real. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> wonderful actors. Wonderful actors. Uh, so, so Phil has walked with the world. Now just walk around there. Just walk. Walk. Yeah, aimlessly walking around. No. <laughs> you're not that strong, Phil. The church is not. So Phil's walking to just like. Ruth is. is not for the same reasons that Phil as Phil. So Phil is like, no, Abdul, don't go. Ruth is tempted by some of what the world offers. So you begin to shift. <laughs> now, now, we know that Ruth personally would never be tempted by some of the things that the world offers. But just for the purposes of the illustration, Ruth represents the kind of Christian that gets tempted. So in a way, if, have you noticed? So Ruth, you've still got one hand up. If you notice that Phil by naturally has taken hold of Abdul, his hands are no longer in the air. Yeah? And you've got Josh. <laughs> who represents um, the believer that says, do you know what? I- I'm not moving. I- I'm worshipping God. Regardless of what goes on around me, I'm staying here. Yeah? I'm staying here. So uh, I want us to just keep that image. Please take your seats. Thank you, everyone. Well done, there are some Oscar-winning performances there. So, so the point is, that, that we're trying to illustrate, is that the world has walked away, yeah? And it's not just walked away on moral issues, yeah? It's not just walked away on issues around gender and sexuality, um, and um, it's walked around way on lordship issues. Jesus is no longer, God is no longer Lord, and when the church has gone after the world uh, in the way that Phil has done, a higher priority than the worship of God is the connection with the world. No, we mustn't let the world go. We must be, the church must be where the world is. And many people have done that. Many Christians have done that. And they're, and they're in there with them, really trying. But do you know what? What they're doing is partly they, are, they become as lost as the world is. And then when uh, the person that Ruth represents is the other reason that people leave, um, because what the world has discovered is not just the, the moral thing, which they don't want to talk about, but it's, it's the joy of leisure, ease, comfort, materialism, individualism. And that's, those are the gods of the world, and the truth is that some Christians are tempted by that. We're tempted to go along, and we even find a way of Christianising those thoughts making them in, as though they're Christian, when actually they're not Christian. Josh represents those believers that want to stand. Yeah? 
Now, when I realised years ago that this was happening, and you see it in legislation, you see it in other things, the world's walking away from the church, the world is trying to deny, the world in which we live is trying to deny this history, I remember thinking to myself, oh, that's fine, that's fine, because all that will mean is that the Christians who remain will look Christian, they'll look truly Christian to the world. What I discovered was, it's harder than you think. It's harder than you think to stand. It's harder than you think to stand, partly because you're tempted, but also partly because you just feel stupid. You just feel, oh, okay, so I still believe in Genesis 1. I still believe that God created the world. Oh, okay. Most people don't believe that. It's harder than you think to stand. And yet, we're called to stand. We are called to stand. So a few years ago, I felt God gave me a picture. It wasn't a massive thing, but I just felt it. Um, I think I maybe even shared it. And it was a picture of, and you got the picture, I think. Uh, Well, this wasn't the picture. This kind of represents the picture. Um, It was the picture of a masterpiece that was being painstakingly restored by an artist. And they were in a small room, and it was focused on the restoration of the painting Uh, And it was detailed work. And once the painting had been restored, it was to be put on display in a public gallery for all the world to see. And what I felt was the last 30, 40 years of church life, Terry Virgo wrote a book about 40 years ago called The Restoration of the Church. And it's really been about the restoration of the church, restoring the church to what we would describe as New Testament values. Yeah, and so that would have a massive and and the really the centerpiece of that was the person and work of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit would work in the local church, and we would have Phil and I grew up in a time when when people spoke in tongues it was unusual, and when people danced and raised their hands in church it was seen as have you ever, have you seen that church down the road where people lift that? It didn't happen. And when people read the Bible in their churches about the works of the Holy Spirit, in some occasions they were asked to leave the church because people didn't believe it. So there were church splits, all sorts of things happened, and and that's where like the house church movement came. People began to meet in houses because they couldn't meet in their churches. And that went on for a number of years. The other thing that used to happen was when... Um, as part of that restoration of the church, the work of the Holy Spirit and relationships and fellowship that began to dominate how things uh, went, also came church planting, the passion and desire to plant churches. 30 years ago, when you wanted to plant a church in a town, when you went there, you were met with hostility. What are you doing here? We've already got churches here. Now, the reality might have been that of the 100,000 people in the town, only 200 actually went to church. So there's loads of people that still need to be saved. That was the reality. But this reaction was a real reaction that many people faced, church planting. So the church was seeking, and, and Terry Virgo, New Frontiers, among many, many other people, was seeking to restore the church, and, and, and we were part of that. We grew up in that kind of experience. We, people would talk about the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues. People would talk about the apostles and prophets of Ephesians 4. Those were the big things of the day. A lot of the issues we faced were internal. They were theological. They were about what does church look like, how should church be, all that kind of stuff. I remember years later... I attended a Bible college that would have held a very particular line, not not being for the Holy Spirit, not being for church planting, and years later, they were running a church planting course. Things had changed. I remember seeing it on the wall. They were advertising a church planting course. Whilst the restoration of the church is a constant ongoing issue, there is an element where you could argue it's fulfilled its purpose. Because now, uh, most of us, most of us who ever go to church, largely maybe even Alpha has helped us this, we all have an understanding of the Holy Spirit. 
In the past, that understanding wasn't there. It was offensive. People were offended when you talked about the Holy Spirit. People would leave when you talked about the Holy Spirit. People would ask you to leave the church. Nowadays, that is not our response. We all say, come Holy Spirit, and we all kind of know what we mean by that. I.e., the ground has been kind of ploughed, and we're all on the same ground when it comes to that. Church planting now, you're welcomed. Yeah, There's no one who says, what are you doing in my town? That, that kind of is no longer the response. And so people, I mean, okay, people are planting churches everywhere now. Yeah, like you're planting churches. If you go to Peckham, you'll get the church, and then you'll get the church, and you'll get the church, and you'll get the church. So, so things have changed. Even among traditional denominations, even as I've been here in Brixton, and most of the people I work with are not from the kind of background that I'm from, they're from Catholic and, and uh, Anglican backgrounds, and, and traditional Methodist backgrounds, they're singing the same songs. They're raising their hands in worship, they're, they're, they're speaking of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, It's kind of like the church has been restored to the extent that Largely, people agree with these things. However, so for me, the battle for the restoration of the church is largely over. Now, please don't mishear me. Oh, I mean, how dare, how can you say it's over? We're always, no, it's largely over. Like that painting, there came a point where that artist finished restoring the painting. And we enter a time where it's the battle for display. It's a different battle. Different things are required. The battle for restoration is over. The battle for display has begun. And the battle for the church on display is not internal. It's not theological. It's not about, what do I believe about this? What do you believe about that? Let's look at all the passages. That is not what you do these days. Even with the people that I meet with that don't believe what I believe, the problems of the world are so great that prayer brings us together and we just pray. It's not so internal. These are some of the issues that I think we are facing in the church today. We're facing issues around diversity. How do we make that, that really work? Race issues, gender issues, sexuality issues, other religions, a secular culture, breakdown of family leading to a fatherless generation of young men and young women, poverty, mental health, the pursuit of happiness, comfort and ease. All these issues the church faces today are not outside but in it. 30 years ago, we didn't face those things in the church. We really didn't. We didn't do food bank. We didn't do cap. When we went on the street corners, it was to sing, shine, Jesus, shine. And you either responded to that or you didn't. Yeah? Nowadays, when you go, I see it. I see it with John every week. When John meets people, either through cap or food bank, he's engaging and touching the lives of people who are, bit, who are broken. Yeah? Do you know what we do, very specifically for John, is every month, in our, monthly, in our morning prayer meeting, we pray for those that are working in, in food bank and cap, and for John in particular, and every time we do it, we get John to stand up and we lay hands on and pray for him. Why? Because he is engaged in a battle. Yeah? He is there every single week dealing with stuff that 30 years ago, um, let me be honest, we did not deal with. We dealt with, you know, the issues around the children in the church running around in the church. Yeah? Those are not the issues that we deal with today. So the church today needs to walk this very thin line between engagement in the world around it and faithfulness to the God we serve. Yeah? Now that's a challenge. So Josh, who stands over here, he can't just stand over here and like, yeah, loving Jesus over here. No, loving Jesus. You might as well live in a monastery if you're going to do that. Josh has to love Jesus, keep Jesus central, keep Jesus number one, and still help. You still need to help. You still need to engage in the world. So it's my conviction, and I haven't given all the various scriptures, that's kind of where we are in the world today. Yeah, that the church needs to find a way of displaying itself in all the glory and all its faithfulness, but also in compassion and grace to the people around us.
So our vision, just moving on quickly, and where's Petra? Should we hand those things out? So that kind of, for me, is, is the backdrop to what we, as a church, are trying to do. Petra's got, um, just so you're going to have a little handout, actually, of our vision, and um, I'm just going to walk through it very quickly, and then I'm going to hand over to Phil. So I, I won't be long going through this. You need to firstly understand our vision. We haven't spent these months changing our vision completely. I would say that there's been a refocus and an emphasis that we want to bring uh, based on what, just what we felt as we talked and probably as we were praying. Uh, certainly I'm praying a lot around these kind of things. What do we sense God has for us and wants us to do? You have to kind of... All right, can I have one picture as well? Thanks. Now, you have to kind of bear in mind what what I've said. Um, You know, the church on display, the church restored. So our vision cycle, um, um, really, it begins at just just the right of 12 o'clock. First thing that we're doing is we're building the church. And and I, I make no apology... That's the number one thing to do. Why is it the number one thing to do? Because the world has walked away from the church. When when the church walks with the world, we get lost ourselves. When the church is able to remain focused and firm and faithful, it becomes a display. Because there will come a point, we know this will happen, there'll come a point where the world will turn. Yeah? Because its ways don't work. Yeah? Its ways don't work. There'll come a point when it, when it turns, and when it turns, there's no point in turning to the church that's right by it, because that church is as lost as the world is. But you need to turn and see something. Yeah? This is the Isaiah 2 picture. The mountain of the Lord will be raised above. It will become chief above the mountains, and all nations will be drawn to it. So there'll be a point where people are going to be drawn to the true church of Jesus. And it won't be because we're out there doing it, because they'll see. They'll see something. Yeah, often in the Bible it talks about, let's go with you because clearly God is with you. They'll come that point. So we see ourselves as building the church, and that's foundational. And that's very much about looking in, it's about looking upon ourselves. In some ways, the various verses, are, I'm not going to go into them now. Um, it's about laying foundations. It's like a focus on the family. It includes us doing discipleship, equipping and supporting family life. That's what we'll be doing. And that's one of our foundations, is to build the church. A second foundation is to glorify Jesus. So the first thing we do is we look in. We look in on ourselves. The second thing we do is we look up. We're looking up to Jesus, and this is about going deeper, and I cannot emphasise enough the need for each individual Christian to know the Lord for themselves. That was what the cross was all about, that we might know him for ourselves. And so we want to help people go deeper in worship, deeper in personal relationship with Jesus, learning to surrender our lives in ways that honour him, particularly in a world which isn't doing that. It's tough, but together you can do it. If you're on your own, it's tough. But together, you can do it. So we're glorifying Jesus, and so we look up. It's about maturity, growing up into him. And then the third thing is around serving the community. So we look in as a church on one another. We look up to Jesus, and we, and we grow in our maturity. And then we look out. We're looking out to the community around us. It's about reaching out as a church. And again, the other thing I can't emphasise enough is the reality that the church must reach out. It's not just about lots of individuals having lots of different visions to do lots of different things. It's the church that must reach out because it's only in the church that looks in and looks up. If I simply respond to a need that's out there, I don't do the looking in and the looking up, but I do the looking out. And if I look out and I try and reach people on my own, 
that, that can be m- moderately successful. But ultimately, people are not discipled in faith. They don't come through to faith in Jesus as part of the community. So we're looking out to focus on the community. And so we're going to look, at in, in, look into things around mission. We already look out through our food bank and our cap, but maybe more personally, how do I look out? How do I reach my neighbour? How do I reach my friend? How do I touch the person who's next to me? So our aim is to, at different times in our year, have a different focus on these things. But that as we do these things, constantly and consistently, we will become, we will become what our name suggests, we will become a beacon. We will become a, a place that is displaying something of God's mercy and grace. And then the only other thing I, I kind of wanted to say was, The only way we can do it is not by coming up with a great vision and various objectives and vision, is to allow the Holy Spirit, who we all welcome, to build the church. And that often is different to what we might imagine. And so that's kind of where we're going. I hope that's helpful. Uh, Phil, I'm going to leave you to bring some practical... Hey, hello, you've got one. Is that okay? So, yes. Okay, so just in practical terms, particularly we've, 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 we've fleshed out probably the, what we would call the autumn term the most, because that's the one that's coming up. And, and so I just, just to clarify, what, we've, what, what our vision now is, if you want a strap line, is that we're building the church to glorify Jesus and serve the community. So that becomes, if, if you like, that's our vision, that's our strap line. That will be on our new website, which will be up and running. I'm, I'm going to say this in faith. Uh, in the month of September, at some point in the month of September, we'll have, we've got a new website that Toby is working on. Um, we've seen sort of some mock-ups of it. It's looking great. John Taylor's done lots of work with Toby on that. And so um, that will be our, our vision statement that will appear on the website and that everything we do will be tied in with. So uh, if, we, if, if we look at what we're going to do next term, and as I mentioned earlier on, in terms of the church, the life of the church, we tend to go into the school terms. So we're looking first of all at that, that autumn term, and we're looking there at building foundations. And one of the things that we want to do is we want to run um, Alpha. And uh, if, hands up if you've done Alpha before. Okay, a few people have done Alpha before. Yeah, okay. What we're uh, going to encourage is that anyone who's not done Alpha before uh, gets involved in doing an, the Alpha course. And the Alpha course is basically it's a fantastic course. Again, Owen and I were involved in this. Our previous church ran this course um, for, for quite big numbers. And it's a wonderful way of just going through the basics of the Christian faith, talking about things like who is the Holy Spirit, what, what does the Holy Spirit do? How do I engage with and receive the Holy Spirit? Goes through, if you like, the foundational truths of the Christian faith. And it's one of the things that we encourage new Christians or those who've just joined a church to, to, to go through because it really just unpacks for you what a church believes, what the church believes. And so we're going to be running that next term in a couple of homes and we'll get people to sign up. So we'll mention this again probably before the summer. And then in September we'll mention it again. We'll get people to sign up if they're interested in doing that course. And it'll be in a couple of homes during the week in the evening. And we'll encourage anybody who's not done Alpha or who's new to the church or a new believer to, to go through Alpha as part of that building a found foundation. It's a great, great course. Actually, for me, when I came back after being away from Christ for a while, I, I was involved in Alpha, and it was just wonderful, again, to hear the truths of the Christian faith again and, and realise what, what I'd been missing. And so actually, for, for also for Christians who are just feel like they've been away for a while, or feeling cold, feeling a bit dry... Again, Alpha can be a great thing to do. So we'll talk more about that and encourage you to sign up for that if, if, that's gonna, if that would be of, of help. And actually, one of the things that the Alpha course have done is they've produced these brand new videos, which aren't just videos of someone talking. They're actually short half-hour films. 
um, and they're supposed to be absolutely fantastic. So we'll be using those, and I think it will be a really good um, platform for, for us to investigate and explore the basics of the Christian faith. So that's one of the things we're going to be doing uh, in late September, October. And then in terms of our Sunday ministry, we're sort of going to go back for a few weeks to the It Takes a Village series. You remember we, we did It Takes a Village 2, Raise a Child, we take Takes a Village 2, and we had a number of things that we looked at in terms of what the role of the church is there in bringing up families. And we're just going to return to that for about three weeks in September, particularly looking at family life and parenting and just and singleness within family family life within the family life of the church and uh, then we're going that's going to culminate on the 30th of September which is a Saturday with a parenting day that we're running here and we're getting um, Graham and Daryl Anns to come and run that for us um, uh, Daryl is a head teacher of a primary school of, in a really difficult and challenging area and they've also brought up two children of their own and uh, so they're going to come and run a parenting day for us we're, we're going to confirm for you that the location of that and we'll encourage everybody who wants to go to that to come not just if you're a parent but actually if you think that you might become a parent at some stage um, but also for, for, for those of us who are in the church who maybe don't have children, because this will also be about the church and its role in terms of bringing up children. And one of the things that I've probably said to you before is as a single person who doesn't have children, the, the huge blessing that I have found being part of other people's family life, being adopted by them in a way to come and be Uncle Phil to their children. And uh, it's been a, just a wonderful thing. I've got families I still do that for with the, the with the Owens and Pauline's girls. It was just a delight. And uh, I've still got children now, little ones who will call me Uncle Phil. And, uh, it's, and I'm looking forward to more of them. So hear this, okay? I'm looking forward to more of that. And so, so actually the church is God's gift to those who don't have children as well. Because what does God say? He says that he puts the lonely in families. And he does that through the church. So we're going to just spend those. So don't think over those first three weeks, oh, they're going to be looking at families and all that's not going to be relevant to me. I don't have any kids. I'm not married. No, it's going to be fundamentally relevant to you because actually it will help you to find family within the church. And for those of you that do have children, it will help you to be encouraged to share them. And also just to share that responsibility, feel like that responsibility that you carry to bring children up in the fear and nurture of the Lord, you don't carry that on your own. You have got adopted grandparents and uncles and aunts around you. When I was brought up in the church, we called uh, other people in the church uncle and auntie. And you might be, you know, from, if you're from a different culture in some other cultures, whether you're a blood relative or not, if you're part of a church, you'll call those people uncle and auntie. And I'm not necessarily saying we go back to that, but that's a picture, isn't it, of the church being family and of all playing a part in bringing up children. And boy, do we have a few children to bring up now. We've been looking at our numbers and talking particularly with... Um, uh, Nick and Lally, and come sort of come come January, then our creche. If everybody's around with children who's got children, will be about fourteen to sixteen kids in creche alone. So we, we need to get this right because we've got lots of children to bring up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. So we're going to be looking at that over those first few weeks. And then after that, we'll move on to just a bit more of a foundational series, looking at what and why do we believe. We might look at things like topics like money. What does the Bible teach? What does the church teach about things like money, about relationships? What does the Bible teach about relationships? What does the Bible teach about baptism? And so next term also, we'll, we'll have a, an opportunity for people to be baptised who've come to faith in this last period of time. And we'll teach into that a little bit as well. And, uh, and, then, f- and then after that, we'll move into... Um, a short series just that leads up to Christmas, and then that's that term done. But that term is really the focus is going to be about building the church. 
And then the next term Owen's talked about a little bit is, is going to be more about our glorifying Jesus, looking up. It's going to be more about encouraging our own devotional lives, our own walk with him. You might call it coming into maturity. The Bible talks about us maturing, becoming mature in Christ. It talks about us not always being children. So we're going to look at children a lot in the first term. But actually the Bible talks about not being just like children. Paul talks about not being blown about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, I need to know what I... I need to really understand some stuff to help me not be blown about. Because actually this world blows us about. And so that, that, that second term, in the spring, we'll be really looking at going deeper, looking at personal devotion, looking at going deeper in worship, understanding what worship is around. And then finally, as we move then into the summer... We'll look much more about going out, serving the community in terms of some... Te- we'll be teaching into how can we live lives that are missional. So this isn't just about us going out and doing stuff in the summer, although we may well do a little bit more. We may well have a barbecues and stuff like that. Just to, Our observation is that in the summertime, Brixton goes out. Uh, in the winter, in the spring, they tend to all be inside closed doors. But actually, in the summer, Brixton tends to move outside. And so are there some things that we can just easily invite people to? Is there stuff that we can do in our community groups where it's just an easy ask to invite friends, neighbours to, that sort of thing? But not just that. We'll be teaching into how do we live lives that are like the painting, that are on display. How do we do that? And we'll be teaching into that sort of missional, missional stuff. And that's, so that's sort of the cycle of next year that we're thinking of looking at, we'll review it as it goes on, we'll review it again at the end after that year's over. But that's the cycle of the vision that we're looking to, to teach into and to work through uh, next year, starting really in September. Do you want to say something to finish? You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.